Hello and welcome to the Inside Risk and Compliance podcast. I'm your host, Adam Spencer, Director of AJ Fox Compliance, a specialist recruitment agency focusing on all things law firm risk and compliance. I have seen so many people carve amazing and fulfilling careers in this space, and it really has been a pleasure speaking to people who enjoy doing what they do every day. However, one thing that has really stood out to me is how hard it can be for people to access the bigger picture outside of their team, outside of their firm. We created this podcast to share with you some of the insights, experiences, and stories of the most interesting people succeeding inside Risk and Compliance. Today, I am joined by Jesse Williams, Head of Risk and Compliance at Excello Law. In today's episode, we cover how risk and compliance is often left out of legal education, how personal sanctions can often seem unfair, and we talk about Jesse's most valued skill set, how she's never afraid to say when she doesn't know. Hope you enjoy. So we're joined today by Jesse Williams, Head of Risk and Compliance at Excello Law. Jesse, firstly, thank you so much for making such a monumental effort to come down and be here with us today. Uh, Jesse has trekked all the way down from Cardiff, uh, two weeks uh, since bringing a new family member into the world. Uh, so we can't thank you enough for sort of being here today. So thank you for coming. No How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. I'm busy, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody seems to be busy yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, we've done a bit of an intro to sort of give the uh, listeners an idea as to who you are. But obviously, we're not going to do as good a job as you can. So mm-hmm. do you want to start by giving us an idea as to who you are, what you're up to at the moment, and then how you got into this crazy world of risk and compliance? Because your entry into this career path was not necessarily... A straightforward one, right? Yeah, no, it wasn't linear. So um, I currently work as Head of Risk and Compliance at Excello Law. um, And I've been doing that since January 22. So Mm -hmm. relatively new to that position. Um, But I worked previously at another law firm, um, international law firm, as a compliance officer. um, And then progressed through sort of the ranks there. So compliance officer, senior officer, um, management there. Um, And prior to that, I actually worked in a bank. So I worked in a high street bank. I was a branch manager um, of uh, high street bank and Mm -hmm. I had a team of seven staff there. So um, working there, obviously, I was responsible again for all of the risk and regulatory stuff in addition to the day to day running. Um, So I actually fell into banking. My mum works in banking. Um, I was supposed to be doing a law degree uh, when I was 18, you know, finished school straight into uni to do law. But I fell pregnant with my son and um, my mum has always, um, you know, sort of been um, quite uh, well organised then Mm -hmm. with money. She works in the bank Uh, herself. (laughs) Um, So she was kind of like, if you go to uni now and you start renting and you you obviously have have my son, but rent a house and go to university. She said, you'll never buy because once you're caught up in that cycle of renting, Mm -hmm. you won't be able to save a deposit. So she was like, you need to drop out, like get a house, get yourself on the property ladder and then go back and do it later. Um, so I did. I followed my mum's advice. So I dropped <laughs> out, uh, bought a house, started working in the bank with my mum. And the intention was always to go back and study law. Mm. Um, you know, I really knew I wanted to be a solicitor. I didn't know in what practice area, but I knew that that was my um, sort of career interest. And um, banking was doing really well at the time. So it was like 2005, 2006. It was prior to the 2009 recession. There mm. were like bonuses being thrown around like no tomorrow. <laughs> I progressed really well in the bank. So I was branch manager. 
um, you know, in my sort of early mid twenties, um, I was getting a bonus every quarter, which was like the equivalent of like a couple of months' salary, you know. So oh, nice. it was like too good to turn down. And yeah. I kind of put law on the back burner for that reason that I knew I was gonna have to go back to being a student and not having as much money and and that kind of thing. And then two thousand and nine, I was actually on maternity leave, obviously we had the big recession. Mm-hmm. Um, I was worried about whether or not banking as a career generally was gonna be um viable. And um, stuck at it for a few more years, obviously, to make sure that I was in a secure position. And then just one day turned around and was like, I'm not happy. I'm not getting job satisfaction. There's no further room for progression. I loved some aspects of the role. So like I said, the risk, the regulatory compliance, um, obviously we're FCA regulated, Mm -hmm. but you've got your anti-money laundering stuff in there. Um, I enjoyed training the staff, you know, and helping them with, with their queries and progression. Um, and yeah, I just decided to hand my notice in, quit my job, go back to undergrad, start my degree from the beginning um, with two young children. I actually was going through a divorce at the time. Didn't move back home. I bought the house next door to my parents. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I okay. almost moved local. back home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had a lot of support. I was really lucky. And yeah, so I did the degree. Um, and whilst doing the degree, I knew that I needed to get a job that would give me some legal experience because I didn't have, I had AML and I had... Yep. Um, that background, but I didn't have any legal experience. And I knew, well, I thought that I'd be then going LPC training contract. So I'd need uh, legal experience. And I started working for Admiral Law. Mm-hmm. Um, in their, so, so Admiral Insurance have their own sort of ABS. Um, and I was case handling and I was dealing with um, personal injury claims for their drivers. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the investigative work. I enjoyed litigation. But it was very same, you know, it was a caseload of the same kind of clients, the same kind of case. Um, mm-hmm. And I enjoyed a bit more variety. So when an opening came up in their compliance team, I'd never considered compliance before. And I thought now's the time to try because obviously I'm not at the point yet where I'm qualified. I d- I'm not specialised in a particular area. So I went into compliance there and I just loved it. I loved that there was variety. You had different types of claims come in. You know, obviously they were profanate claims. Um, complaints but also there was policy there was queries from lawyers about whether or not they could do some you know certain things there were conflict queries where they'd been maybe like multi-party accidents who we could act for Mm. who we couldn't and I was like oh I like this um and also you're you're not client facing a lot of the time you are sometimes with claims Mm -hmm. um, and complaints obviously there's an element of negotiating with clients when there has been a profaneg claim um but you're you're internal you know you're the law firm's lawyer and I really liked um the exposure that that gave me mm-hmm. um but they were limited because they didn't have many practice areas so when i finished my degree um i started the silex route um yep. to qualification because they offered to fund it but in that period i was approached about another job then um at an international firm um which would give me a lot oh no sorry they weren't international actually when i first took the job so they were um a full service firm, a yep. um, few offices across the UK. So I took that role because it would give me exposure to more practice areas, which meant I then was learning more, growing. Um, because although you're not working in the practice area, the queries that you get in, so you might get a query from a residential property lawyer about whether or not they can do something mm-hmm. if it's going to be compliant or you know an AML query. And then you'll get a private client lawyer ask you about their practice area you know are they doing the right thing um so i just loved that i was constantly learning i didn't have to go into a particular practice area and be boxed off i kind of had this like broad exposure um so loved that they then so that was gordon dad's Mm -hmm. they then merged with ins so they became international almost overnight so i went from working in this um uk law firm with full exposure to all of a sudden we were doing compliance 
for you know all of these international jurisdictions and whilst we didn't always do all of the compliance we did a lot of the onboarding so a lot of the aml stuff client due diligence and we had to consider obviously that there was a, a different jurisdiction um, and the rules might be different so you know germany is quite strict for example um and then maybe some of the countries outside of europe they had different rules so maybe didn't understand why we were holding them accountable yeah. you know to our uk higher standard um so that was an interesting dynamic and i enjoyed that um and then naturally, as you progress through, the next step is to take a head of position, yeah. um, which I think is quite daunting mm. anyway. You know, um, during this period, obviously, I'd qualified as well as a, a solicitor. Sorry, I've, I've kind of got two strands here. So the career <laughs> path is one and the qualification is another. So career wise, that was naturally the next step for yeah. me. Um, so it was quite daunting. Um to take that, you're kind of like the final buck, mm. you know, when you take that position. When I, so when I was working as like senior manager, I always had the culp to go to. There was an MLRO to go to. There was, you know, a head of, there was a director of. Yeah. And I was really well supported by all of those people. So if ever I made a decision, I could go to them and say, this is what I think. Can you sign it off? Mm. But then when you're thinking about a, a position as head of, you um you know that you're going to be like the buck stops with yeah. you so you need to be confident in your decision um and i i took that role obviously and it's like you you're starting again jumping mm. in at the deep end um i'm very well supported so um obviously the ceo of the company i work mm. for now excello law i can go to him and bounce ideas there's another director joe i can go to joe and say like what do you think so you're never not fully supported in that yeah. role but you do have a, a you know bigger responsibility on your shoulders um, so that's kind of like career wise where I've gone qualification wise going back mm -hmm. to that. So I, I did Silex while I was at Admiral Law because that's what they offered. They didn't do training contracts, um, but they would fund Silex. Um, so I thought, why not? I was happy in my job. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll do that qualification. So I did their fast track diploma. And then when I finished that, um, obviously I'd, I'd then moved to, um, to Gordon Dad's at the time. And I, the work that I was doing, somebody queried whether compliance work would be qualifying employment because to qualify under Silex, you have to meet certain competencies. So they'll be like negotiating, drafting, mm -hmm. writing legal letters. There are like, I think there's about 50 odd competencies that you have to hit. And while I was at Admiral Law working in the compliance department, somebody who was doing the same route, who was working still in case handling, said to me, oh, you're going to have to go back to case handling because in compliance, you're not going to be able to do this because you're not client facing. Right. So I spoke with Silex and I said, like, is compliance, risk and compliance, is that a practice area? You know, can I use that as qualifying experience? And they said, well, yeah, because the law firm is your client. You are... You, you treat the, the firm as your client. And when you give legal advice, mm. um, potentially on a prof neg claim, you are advising the business on whether or not they should defend that claim. You are advising them on the merits of their defense. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you you absolutely can. Um, so I did. I, I obviously had moved, but I did my qualifying employment then in uh, through Silex in risk and compliance. And you do. So when I, when I settle a, a claim, I do draft a settlement agreement. So I am drafting legal documents, you know? Um, so I did, you do a workplace place learning portfolio. Um, so that, and that's where you evidence all of the work that you've done. So I did that whilst I was at, um, Gordon Dad slash Ince as they became. Um, and I got signed off as a chartered legal executive. And then, um, I decided that I wanted to cross-qualify as a solicitor. So to do that, I then still needed to do the LPC um, and the PSC um, and then apply, obviously, to the SRA, to be SRA yeah. regulated. Um, so I did that. 
in 2020 and 2021, I did it like part time over the two years whilst working. Um, and again, I was really surprised when I was doing that, how many because there were a lot of people who were do, when you're doing it part time who were like working on the job. And I was surprised at how little, you know, when you do the LPC and the PSC, how little um, guidance and information there is on compliance related stuff. So that's meant to be about your practice. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit on accounts rules. There's a little bit on um, sort of FISMA and um Maybe they touched on conflicts and, you know, there's there's small elements. But considering how big compliance is, I was just so surprised that they don't teach you any of that throughout any of. Yeah. Throughout throughout your undergrad, throughout your postgrad, throughout your um, professional skills. At no point does somebody sit down and say, when you're a lawyer, if you breach any of these regulations, there's a, a chance you're going to have a hefty fine from the SRA, potentially be struck off. You know, nobody sits you down and tells you that you have all of these rules and obligations. Um, and I was really surprised at that, actually. I did think maybe because I'd done the Silex route, that was why I hadn't mm. come across it, even though they have their own code of conduct. Maybe that was why. And then I did the LPC and the um, PSC, and I just thought, at what point do they teach you about <laughs> compliance then? Because we'd be like, you know, in a lecture or, you know, in a seminar, and I'd chat with other people, and I'd go, oh, yeah, but you can't do that. Because if you do that, you're going to breach, like, this rule or that rule. And they'd be like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I, I just don't understand how people don't know. So, so yeah, throughout my studies, I think um, that was something that's cropped up as well, is that people, first of all, don't know that you can qualify into risk and compliance. Yes, um, and I don't think many people probably do a seat in that area when mm. they're doing their training contract, but I don't see why they couldn't. Um, but yeah, my, so it hasn't been linear the way that I got into it. No, um, but it's been quite a, 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 really quite a rapid progression up yeah. to head of level. And you've clearly, you know, been grafting in terms of at work, but also outside of work from an educational perspective, which is amazing. Yeah. So it all looks fantastic now. But I guess going back to when you were 26, you know, you were getting rewarded for the role you were doing in, in the bank. Yeah. Quarterly bonuses, you know, all the signals to say you're good at this. This could be your career path. Two young children recently divorced. How did you build the courage at that point to say, no, do you know what? This is not where my heart lies. I'm going to go back to education. That must have been a big decision, right? Yeah, it was. And I think because I, I had in my head that I was always going to be a lawyer, you know, like all through when I was doing GCSEs, A-levels, all of my subjects I chose were tailored towards law. Um, I did like finance as well. Mm. Like maths was one of the subjects that I chose. But, uh, you know, it was all tailored towards towards law. And I just didn't feel fulfilled. You know, I knew yep. that I could do more. Um, and when I handed my notice in, I remember saying to somebody in the ranch, I'm going to have my notice, I'm going to go back to uni. And they were like, you don't just make a decision like that, Jess. And I was like, well, you do if you think it's something that you really want to do. Um, was there a moment when that decision became really clear? Did it, was it something you thought about for a long period of time and then it just... I'd, I'd always said I was going to do it and people mm. were kind of like, oh, you've left it too late now. You know, you've had your children, you got married, you, you know, you're doing well in the bank. And, um, and I think... It was kind of like, a no, I know I'm capable and I want to prove to everybody else that I'm capable. But also mm. I think I'll get satisfaction. I get satisfaction from being successful. And I think maybe I'd hit my peak a little bit too soon in the job that I was in. Um, and I just I sat and obviously I'd, I'd mentioned it to other people. and They were like, oh, you can't just make a flippant decision. But I sat down with the branch manager. She was a lady called Alison. She's brilliant. Um, and I remember her saying to me, you're really brave um, and if you put as much effort into it as you have everything else, you'll be fantastic. You know, she was really like, That's we don't, want, we don't yeah. want to lose you, but yeah. I, you, if you really like put everything into this, I think, I think you're making the right decision almost. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like solidified it for me. So I handed my notice in in the March. I didn't need to, and I was going to university in the September. 
Um, so there was this really long period where I was like, oh, should I withdraw? Because everyone was mm -hmm. like, you, you've got a mortgage, you've got children. Like, are you making the right decision? Um, but yeah, I wouldn't look back like now and say that I did. I'm, I'm quite glad I did it the way that mm -hmm. I did because I got I had like work experience, yeah. I had life experience. Mm -hmm. I think when you go straight from university into a degree, you don't know what you want to do. And yeah, even like, obviously, I was approaching 30, graduating, and everyone would say, oh, what practice area do you want to go into? And I was like no idea um because i've only worked in in admiral where i've been yeah. exposed to like limited practice areas mm. and i think that'll probably be the same for a lot of people who are like you know doing an undergrad degree now they know that they want to go into law they maybe know that they want to be a solicitor but they don't know what they want to do yeah um and for me that obviously the, the initial exposure to compliance when i was there i was like oh this this kind of pulls all of my skills into yeah, one yeah. you know i got um, AML exposure, I've got litigation exposure, I've got investigative exposure. Mm. Um, and they were all of the strands of it that I liked problem solving and, mm. you know, um, obviously variety. Yeah. Because yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of practice areas are quite monotonous. <laughs> but I, it sowed the seeds then and you just yeah. knew. Yeah. But some people like that, don't they? They mm. like to do the same thing every day. They like the, the reliability, they know what they're going into. I think the majority of people we sort of speak to in this space, the variety is is a large part of the attraction point. Yeah, and, and the continual learning. Yeah, and every day is you know different. I just wanted to take a moment out to thank our amazing sponsor, the International Compliance Association. The ICA are the leading professional body for the global regulatory and financial crime community, offering professional qualifications, world-class events and training. Go check them out online, and if any of the certificates or courses take your fancy, then you can get 10% discount using our code AJFOX10 at checkout. Um, one of the things you mentioned when you were talking about the education piece was, you know, perhaps a lack of education through the um, normal legal education route around what risk and compliance is. Yeah. Um, and I know we talked previously about, um, you know, how, w what is the general uh, fear in a population's sort of view of, of who risk and compliance are, what they do. Do they like them? Do they not like yeah. them? You know, what has your experience of that been, you know, throughout your career? And are there sort of challenges in in getting everybody on the same page? Yes. Yeah, so you're always received differently, um, you know, by by certain people. So I find that some people um, are really receptive to a compliance department. They're so um, grateful for the support. They understand how important it is to get things right. You know, the, the sanctions for non-compliance mm -hmm. um, and they want to get it right. And, and you're so well received. And I would say that is the majority of lawyers within mm. a firm, you know. Um, but there are, I find, times where you'll come across individuals who don't see the importance, don't don't understand the importance, um, potentially are used to doing things their way. Um, there wasn't such an emphasis on risk and compliance mm -hmm. in the past. So um they maybe don't understand how rapidly things have progressed in that in that field. Mm -hmm. Um and that they are obliged. It's not a choice anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the SRA don't just look and go, oh you qualified 40 years ago. You didn't have to to do CDD then. We'll let you <laughs> off. You know, that doesn't happen. So um I think Sometimes it can be hard to change the mentality around um, why. Mm. And some people will see compliance officers, you know, head of risk and compliance, you know, whatever you, you are, as like a block. Yep. So you're making their daily life harder. You know, they just want to pick up a client, crack on with the work, you know, um, get, get maybe a sale from start to finish mm -hmm. quickly for their client because that's what they want and that's what they're used to. Um, so when you come in and go, oh, hang on, you can't do that. You know, I know you've acted for them for five years, but we do still need to make mm. sure that maybe like the ownership of the, the company hasn't changed. Um, so... It can be difficult to change the mentality around why 
Um, some people think it's the firm, you know, it's a firm policy. Um, it could say you're just putting the blockers on, you're being an overkill, a job's worth. Mm. Um, and it, it can be difficult, but I do try to speak directly to people myself as much as I can. I, I won't rely on, oh, but the company says you have to do that. You know, I try to be flexible. I try to explain the significance of what we're doing, why we're doing it. We're there to protect them. You know, we're the first line of defense. If we yeah. can pick up that you're doing it wrong, then the SRA can pick it up as well if they come in and audit you. And for me to tell you that you're doing it wrong and ask you to do it right is obviously the best option for you rather than the SRA and come in and say you're doing it wrong the company policy is this you've been told that you need to do it this way mm. you're not following so you're personally going to be sanctioned for that rather than the firm even and you've got um, to try and change those views yeah. alongside doing your day job right yeah. and, and managing yeah. other people and looking after lots of other issues so it must be difficult on time but if you had you know, unlimited time if you had yeah. financial resources human resources you know are there things you think you would be able to do to to um, change the view of risk and compliance within a firm, any firm? Yeah, so the firms that I've worked at, a lot of the time the compliance team will be remote because you don't have a compliance yep. team in every office and I think that'll be the same across most firms. Um, so what we did at my last firm and what I, I, I mean, I do go to the London office in this firm and I've been to our Birmingham office, but I, I've said this is something that I want to do going forward is I've said I need to try and get out to the offices. When you're a person rather than somebody on the end of the phone or somebody on the end of an email, I think you're a lot more approachable. Mm -hmm. And I think also people are worried to come and ask a question compliance related or to put it in an email because there's an audit trail and they're worried that somebody's going to say, oh, you're doing it wrong. Um, but what they don't realize is that we want you to come to us. If you think you're not doing something the right way, come to us because we want to resolve it. We want to fix it. We want you to understand what you should be doing. Um, so I've said that I think what what I'd like to do if I have more time and resource mm. is to get out to the office and say, you know, every month I'm in this office, you know, or every fortnight I'm in this office. Come and see me. You know, yeah. we, we're not we don't bite. Um, <laughs> and I think that is the perception sometimes of a compliance team is like oh don't go to them you know yeah. they're going to kind of slap you on the Scary. wrist and yeah. yeah and it's not the case like we're not there to police you we're there to support you yeah um so i think yeah resource wise time wise that's what um i've, I've put forward obviously and again i'm very well supported where i am so that is what i want to do get out do like compliance clinics almost yeah and i would encourage you know others to do that as well because i think when people know you as an individual rather than your job title yeah. or what you do they're much more likely to come to you. Um, obviously, I'm, I've got really good working relationship with a lot of our lawyers now because um, I've been at the firm a while and a lot of them would just pick up the phone almost daily and say, oh, just, just while I've got you, can I ask you this question? You know, and they realise that I'm, I'm going to just, like I say, assist them, support them. If I don't know the answer, I'll go and find the answer for them and take that pressure off them mm -hmm. so they can get on to, with the day-to-day -day stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be... That's a challenge, a lot of a lot of time involved in, in yeah, getting out there and speaking to people. Yeah, because then it's hard to get to the project work, mm. isn't it? You know, so rules will change and you need to change policy. Our terms of business need to be updated. We might need to, you know, produce a new policy and then obviously train the staff on what they need to do. So it is difficult, I think, to juggle all of the plates. Yeah. Um, but obviously I can do my day job yeah. from, the, from an office and yep. still be there if somebody wants yeah, to come yeah. over. But I think it's about being visible, mm -hmm. um, being visible, being accessible and being a person. Yeah. Um, to try and break to those, them, right? And you mentioned yeah. um, you mentioned before, and we've spoken about this before around you know sanctions for non-compliance. And I know you'd said you'd you'd done your dissertation yes. on on this as well. Yeah. It's not an area I know a huge amount about. Um, you know, yeah. but I've, I've seen um, you know picked up themes, I guess, around 
I mean, there's been concerns about lots of junior unsupported solicitors being held accountable a lot as well, and maybe not so much at the higher levels. What What was your, um, you know, what what were you doing on your dissertation around personal sanctions? What so it was just about, um, so whether or not they're sort of fair, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's actually been a recent um, individual, I think they were non-qualified right. um, individual who had a fine for not following AML procedures. Um, and I think a lot of the staff in our, in our firm, for example, you know, I shared it and I said, you might not think that you are, just because you're not a solicitor, you know, because you're a paralegal, you might think, oh, well, that the SRA won't come to me and they won't sanction me because I'm not a lawyer. But when you work in an SRA regulated firm, you can you can be yeah. sanctioned, um, you know, particularly if you're not following the, the procedure. Um, so I think that um, sometimes that can be maybe a little bit harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the, the tone, I think, of, of the dissertation that I wrote was, you know, is it fair? There is no training given to, mm-hmm. as we've said, to lawyers when they do the LPC, the PSC. You know, they start in their practice area and they, they've got to get up to speed with everything that applies to their area of law. But at no point does somebody come in and sit them down and say, well, well, we give a compliance induction. <laughs> but it depends, say, it depends on the firm that you work for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but at no point doing their educational side mm-hmm. of things does somebody come in and sit them down and say, right, let's go through the, you know, do you want to work in a regulated area? Let's go mm-hmm. through all of the AML rules. Why? why we do it, you know, terrorist funding and, you know, nobody ever sits them down and goes through that legislation with them and what Mm -hmm. their obligations are under that. Um, So is it fair then to say, oh, you've breached regs, you know, there's a 10 grand fine or you're going to be suspended or struck off or, I mean, they are usually extreme cases, you know, where people Mm -hmm. are in a position where they should know um, better, you know, particularly in the case of experienced solicitors. But I just think, is it fair Mm. When there's no mandatory training, you know, the SRA dictate what goes into, you know, what needs to be covered in the LPC. And there are Mm. certain topics that have to be done and the PSC. There are certain topics that have to you have to pass those modules to to qualify. So why is there not one on AML if you give such hefty sanctions and personal sanctions for noncompliance? It's interesting. Is there and and there's no sort of regulations around there being somebody in a position who should be providing that training? Yeah, I mean, as a firm, you have to provide training. You know, the regulations do stipulate that you have Mm. to give training. So we, you know, roll out annual training, for example. Um, But until you're in a firm where you're having maybe effective training, Mm. you know, and I I just think is that assessed when you have audits when the SRA come in? Yeah, they they do. They do check. Yeah, they do check that obviously you are giving annual training to your staff. Well, I I don't know if it's annual or if it's just regular training. I don't know the Mm. wording off the top of my head. But um, yeah, they will check because if if somebody's been non-compliant, they'll want Mm. to know firstly, were they told what they should do to be compliant? So um, all of the new joiners with us will go through a compliance induction. We'll tell them what their obligations are, what the firm policy is. So I'm trying to break down that this is what the policy is and the reason that you have to do it is because Mm. there's these AML regulations which dictate (laughs) you have to do it, you know, is to try and break down that barrier that it's not just us being a job's worth. There is a reason why. Um, but I just think that sometimes people might still not understand and, yeah. and not everybody's okay to put their hand up and go, I still don't understand why I need to do that. Or they might say, yeah, yeah, great. I understand why I need to do it. But, you know, you can't monitor every individual in the firm 24-7. Mm. You don't know that they understand how to check source of funds. You've told them, you've trained them, you've, you know, you've gone through it with them and they've said that they understand, but everybody learns in different ways. So you don't know. Mm. And we audit files. We, you know, we, we randomly select files and audit them. But there could be somebody that slips through that net. Um, and I just, I think sometimes, like there's been cases where people have been sanctioned. Um, 
one of the examples I used in my dissertation, they didn't really get any financial benefit from it. They right. just clearly didn't understand. Mm. Um, and then obviously on the flip side, you think, well, if you're in a position of, um, you know, you're a solicitor, you're well educated. Why? Why don't you understand? You you should be intelligent enough to understand. But um, but we talked about knowing the unknowns, right? Mm -hmm. Or knowing knowing that you don't know things. And you mentioned that you know, when we were speaking previously, we we're asking sort of what was your you know where do you feel your strengths are in this yeah. space? And actually, you mentioned that part of the the challenge is um, a lot of the time um, there's so much that you don't know. And yeah. I guess as a regulatory you know, as an as a as an environment is changing all the time as well. All but, of the time, you know. It, maybe there's the message out there to these fear owners that they need to be aware they don't know, yeah. you know around this all the time. You're there to support them yeah. when, that, when issues come up, right? Yeah, so obviously, you know, you asked me, um, so what is your sort of super skill? Mm. You know, where do you think that you you have it? And I, and I just thought, I don't, because I'll never know everything about mm. any topic and nobody will. Um, obviously, you can be an expert in the field, but the field changes exactly. so regularly that yeah. it's impossible. You know, fraudsters will always find new ways to launder money. Um, you know, if somebody wants something bad enough, they'll they'll do whatever they can to get it, you know. And I think there's so many um, risks to firms, you know, not only of money laundering, but like cyber attacks we're mm. seeing all the time now and data breaches. And, you know, there's just it can come from all angles when you work in risk and compliance and you're constantly horizon scanning. And, you know, the SRA are changing the rules and, you know, the, the regs might be updated. And um, then we've got Brexit. So, you know, there could be new <laughs> rules. And then you've got like the ICO and, you know, the data protection stuff changed, you know, because we had no GDPR day, and, right? Every day yeah, so so there's just so many things going on, mm. and I think, like like I was saying earlier, as a lawyer in your practice area, there'll be changes to the way that things are done as well. So nobody will ever know everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just think that the whole sort of like barrier between lawyer and compliance team, and and I think as well sometimes people are like, oh, shall I phone the SRA and ask them? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Utilize everything. That's why yeah. they have an ethics helpline. Like everybody needs to talk and learn and continually, you know, just accept that you're not going to always get it right or know the answer. Yeah. But what's important is that you know where to go, mm. where to find the answer, where to ask the questions, that you are supported. Um, I, I'll sometimes say to lawyers when they come to me, I don't know, but mm. I'm going to go and find the answer for you. And I think that's probably what I'm really good at. Yeah. You know, that is my expert skill is that <laughs> I'm not afraid to say, I don't know, but let me go and find out. Because I want be to make sure if that you always knew the answer, right? And you yeah. were just sat there, you know. I think dangerous really, as well. Yeah. If you're happy to go, yeah, great, that's the answer. You know, off you go. <laughs> don't, and don't challenge yourself because just because that was the answer six months ago in risk and compliance, things can change so quickly. Is that still the answer? You know, I, I I will always go and check and just go, okay, so last time somebody asked me this kind of question, <laughs> you know, the rule was this, but let yeah. me just check that rule hasn't changed. Um, and obviously I'm on maternity leave at the moment. Mm. So I need to try and make sure that I keep Stay up to date with any changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did email, uh, the, obviously I've got a team of two. Mm. So I emailed Emma and Helen the other day and I was like, just to let you know, I think this is updated. So we're going to need to update <laughs> our firm-wide risk assessment. And, you know, like I need to make sure that when I go back from maternity, I haven't got like nine months or whatever yeah, of work to yeah, catch yeah. up on. But um, but I think that is what so many people that we speak to love about this space, mm -hmm. you know, how varied it is. But um, look, you, you, you know, you've had an amazing career path. Um, accelerated so quickly and it's been really helpful to get get a picture of that journey um, if we've got a listener out there or listeners out there who are you know maybe considering risk and compliance in a law firm not done it before uh, or maybe they've just landed in their first risk and compliance role um, or, or perhaps they're just looking at a career change generally mm -hmm. is there any advice you would give to them yeah go for it just jump in like I did, like two feet first, you know, yeah. just just throw yourself into it. I think that um, it's such an evolving 
um, area of law as well. And it's not going anywhere. You know, if anything, it's only there's only going to be more emphasis and more focus on it. Um, and we need more people in that space. You know, I've recently recruited into my team and it's really hard to find somebody who's got like full service mm -hmm. um, risk and compliance experience. We need more people to get into the compliance field, I think, and to, you know, really immerse themselves into risk and compliance as a career. Um, so, yeah, just just go for it. Don't be afraid mm. and don't be afraid to ask questions. But like Fantastic. I said, nobody ever knows everything. Well, that, that's great advice. I mean, I've, I've obviously had a career change in my uh, career as well, and I would echo that absolutely. Mm -hmm. As soon as you take the plunge, you, you don't look back, you realise it's the right decision. So yeah. that's fantastic. So thank, thank you so much, Jesse. No that's been absolutely amazing talking to you. I'm, I'm sure there's absolutely loads of value in there for all our listeners. So Jesse, thank you so much. That's been absolutely fantastic having you here today. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. If you did, please do us a huge, huge favour and share it with a friend or a colleague. The more people we can get listening, the more time and energy we can get into recording more episodes and getting the best guests and the most interesting stories and insights. I want to say a huge thank you to the ICA for their support, to Ty and Karem here in the studio, and a massive thanks to Kat for making sure everything runs so smoothly behind the scenes. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on LinkedIn to make sure you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you.